This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Stake my future on a hell of a past. Looks like tomorrow is a coming on fast. Ain't complaining about what I got. Seen better times, but who has not? This is Bob Dylan, so that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, part of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly, and joining us this week to talk about Silvio from 1988's Down in the Groove is fellow Bobcat Noam Sampson. Hi, Noam. Hi, Rob. Great to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on. This is a real treat. Of course, just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe more than a month ago, I guess at this point, time flies. My pal Jason MD and I did a deep dive on Down in the Groove as a record celebrating its 35th anniversary and sort of reconsidering. They're definitely one of the least regarded albums in, in Bob's album. But now we're here to talk about a specific song from that record, probably, arguably, the most famous song. Uh, from that album. But before we get to all that, Noam, I have to ask you, of course, how did you become a fan of Bob in the first place? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for asking. So, uh, I guess my path to, uh, to Bob to becoming a, a Dylan fan was, so I'm, I'm born in 1975. And I guess when I first, you know, started becoming like developing my own taste in music was probably like mid eighties. And, uh, so it was a lot of like eighties pop, um, and, uh, like radio, you know, stuff that's on the radio at the time. And, uh, and then I would say, uh, in about 1989, 1990, I think I was about 14. Um, I was at a, uh, one of my best friend's house. Uh, he had, he has a, a sister who's about three years older and, uh, always thought she was super cool. Um, <laughs> very, like very, art, you know, kind of a little hippie-ish artistic. And I was hanging out in his room one of the days and uh i just i heard this song coming from you know coming from her room and i was just totally captivated by it and i went over and asked her what it was and uh she told me uh it's it's mr tambourine man by this guy named bob dylan <laughs> she shows me the cd which was uh, the greatest hit cd uh which is also like a really cool cover very mysterious right like you don't really see Bob, there's this light shining through his mm-hmm. hair, and uh, I was like totally intrigued by it. And I guess shortly after I went to buy to buy it, I relatively recently had bought like one of these CD players, like it was I think a CD and a tape deck. And I just I remember getting um, greatest hits, and I put it. I went straight to Mister Tambourine Man, and I put it on relatively new technology at the time. I could replay just one song over and over again. And I think I listened to Mr. Tambourine Man for like two weeks. Uh, and then at some point I was like, no, maybe I should listen to the rest of this album because I love this song so much. And just every song like resonated with me. And, you know, kind of from there I, I went and I got the greatest hits volume two. Um, and so this was, this would probably be like really right in the early nineties. And so as I was kind of like going through first the greatest hits and then from there, I was, you know, trying to find albums of, you know, the songs that, you know, I liked 
you know, kind of resonated the most with me from those albums. Although I, I really did love every song on both of those uh, greatest hits and the greatest hits too, was like a double, double CD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then like in the early nineties, there was like a lot of Bob touch points, I think. So as I was becoming this fan, um, he came out with, uh, I think the bootleg series came out in 91. And I remember yep. kind of getting that. And I don't even think I'd made it to all his albums yet, but that was the first thing I remember, even though thinking back um, under the red sky probably came out, but I, I was not aware of it at the time. And, uh, and then the 30th anniversary concert in 92, which, which opened up a whole bunch of new songs to me. And, you know, I remember, I went to a friend's house who had like one of these boxes you could kind of hot get like the paper pay-per-view like for free. Sure. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't make it to New York. I actually tried and I asked my parents if I could drive down to New York with a friend. I had no plans. And my parents were like, what are your plans? And I was like, well, we'll drive down and we'll sleep in the car and <laughs> How are you going to get tickets? And they didn't like the story so much. So hard to believe they didn't go no for that. I was, <laughs> I was too too good to uh, to to go anyways. But uh, but you had kind of all these, you know, as I was kind of working my way through his, you know, extensive library, even at the time, you know, and and then the folk albums came out, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I I just fell in love with those albums. Um, did as I've been to you, and the world gone wrong, and then. And then from there, I don't know if you remember, but it kind of felt like there was like a certain celebration. Like people felt like Bob was kind of at the end of his career. So like the greatest hits three came out and he did Woodstock 94 in in 94 and the unplugged album. So there were like constant, like these constant, and he was doing the never ending tour at the time, but like, and then, and then they put out like this, I don't know if you remember this highway 61 CD ROM that came out. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, Uh, I do. But as like a, you know, as a teenager where you're kind of a little unusual getting into Bob Dylan, certainly like, you know, I had friends and maybe, you know, would, would listen to it, but certainly, you know, not into it like I was getting into it. But you kind of had this, I don't know, I, you, you felt like there was a positive feedback because like the kind of the 80s was behind him in the world. And we're going to talk about that with this song, but like with Silvio, but like it, it almost was like he was being rehabilitated, like through that period until you know until really uh i guess time out of mind came on at the end of the 90s and then um by that time i for sure had like fully caught up but it was just a process of kind of like going album by album i just remember each new album i got i just was like there wasn't a single song that i didn't like and that was unusual because usually you bought an album and you were lucky if you liked one or two songs right yeah and uh you you save you know you spend a lot of money on these albums and and I just going through is I probably went through mo- the '60s stuff first, just because because the greatest hits those two volumes were really based on on his uh, '60s work, and so that was really the process. And it just has been you know kind of hard to put into words, but like you know th- the way that Dylan resonates with me when I you know I still listen to to Dylan way more than I listen to to kind of in- any other music. Um, his voice, the lyrics, um, the music, just kind of how it all comes together. It just, there, there's something within that just kind of, I don't know if it's a, a spiritual thing or, or, a, 
or um, some kind of a connection that just it it you know it feels like there <laughs> I don't know there's a connection that's hard for me to put into words but just kind of how you know that connection with with his music and uh, so that's that's kind of how I got to it. At some point, did you go back to your friend's sister and be like, thanks. Yeah, thanks for this. Thanks for <laughs> turning me on to this. I don't know if I ever specifically <laughs> did. Um, we're actually very good family friends, which is probably why I felt confident enough to go over to like ask her because otherwise I probably would have been too intimidated. But like, right. um, you know, as like a 14 year old, like a 17 year old, but, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, in fact, like she took, she took me and my, my buddy to our first concert, uh, in, in 1992. Dylan came to Toronto. He played Massey Hall. I actually just played here on Thursday, Friday again. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I saw him on Thursday. Um, oh, you just uh, saw him. I just saw him. Again. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't seen him for a while. So it was really special. That was really special. The funny thing was that first concert in 92 where I was still kind of getting like familiar with, with his catalog and like, I knew the greatest hits albums by the, that point. And, you know, and um, my memory of that concert was, was it took me like almost to the end of each song to even like understand what was happening. <laughs> and, and the funny thing was I actually downloaded fairly recently. I found a bootleg of it and listening to it now i'm like his voice sounds great why did i have such a hard time understanding it but i i remember clearly at the time even though i loved it and i laughed like on a high it was the first concert i ever went to and and um but it's just so funny how how you know i think i left you were kind of like what just happened and and you know all these years later you know we're so used to his voice and 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 uh you can kind of hear it over again and be like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Maybe it was just the ambient noise of the, the hall when you were there that was fighting for, you know, listening to hear him sing. But then you're hearing the bootleg, depending on what bootleg you're getting, you might have like a better quality of, of the vocal and you're hearing it a lot tighter than you would necessarily being yeah. there in the moment. So. Yeah, but I feel like at that point, I probably was was more familiar with his sixties work and, Mm. you know, like his albums and not fully used to like his, his voice yet from the nineties or, you know, um, and I feel like that was kind of like a lower point where, where he was slurring a lot of his words. He was, he was mumbling a lot in concert, I think in the early (laughs) nineties. But, uh, but uh, yeah. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story. That's great that you just saw him a couple of nights ago. What what cover did he yeah. do when you were there? Because he's been doing these amazing covers. And he did no matter what Stella, city. Yeah, he did Stella Blue. Stella Blue. Okay. Okay. Um, which was great. Um, I actually didn't realize what it was until after. I'm not wasn't that familiar with the song, even though like I, I had looked at some of the cellists. There were a lot of um, I th- there was a lot of expectation in what he was going to do in Toronto and. I, I guess with Robbie Robertson just passing away or maybe, you know, Gordon Lightfoot passed away this, this year, but no, he, he, I just saw that he did in Montreal. He, he, he covered uh, Leonard Cohen uh, yeah. last night. Uh, For the first time, which, the, a song that he's never sung before. Amazing. And it was beautiful. I heard, I heard, I don't know if you had a chance to hear it. I've but, listened to it. Yeah. It's really quite yeah. beautiful. Yeah. He did. I, I, I joked a while ago that I was like, Oh, when he comes to Philly, when I see him in Philly, he's going to sing, Streets of Philadelphia, which sounded ridiculous. And it's, it's a little less ridiculous than it was 
before because he's really he's really pulling out a song for every stop. I mean, it's it's just the guy. It's just the guy just keeps giving. He keeps finding it's, a new way to to to. Uh, nobody would have guessed that if you had said, "What's he going to do?" Well, he's going to sing a a city specific song from virtually every stop. You're like, that doesn't sound like something Bob would do necessarily. He does it sometimes, but now it's become a thing. And now you're like expecting it, you know, now it's yeah. like, Oh my I God. I mean, there is, um, so I'm actually seeing him in, a, in, in, in uh, a little more than a week again. Cause I'm, I'm oh, wow. happened to be in New York for, for something. And he's playing in uh, like just about 40 minutes North of the city. So one of the evenings I'm there. So I, I, I grabbed the ticket, uh, to see him to see him one more time that's um, fantastic that's great uh i i had the i had seen him the last time i saw him was in 2008 for whatever reason he, he's he came to toronto a few times since then but um it just didn't work out i was either like i, I don't know exactly i kind of looked back to try to figure it out but but uh so it, it had been a while it's hard to to believe so you know i uh after uh the pandemic i said I, I i have to go see him and i was planning on seeing him at his last leg before he went to europe and it just didn't work out like i couldn't figure out a day to go um but uh you know we're gonna kind of make use of these opportunities it kind of feels like it almost feels a little like he's saying goodbye with like picking these songs for each city like and making it so personal so I hope that's not the case. Yeah, but, no, uh, no, what's the matter with you? What? <laughs> I hope, but there was like, I really like, there was this, it was, it was like, a, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience to see him again. So uh, hopefully, you know, I look forward to, to doing it in a, in, in a couple of weeks again, too. That's great. That's fantastic. I, I can remember getting the bootleg series. I think I had all the records by that point. But the bootleg series was, I was still, my fandom for Bob was still very new. And I remembered getting the bootleg series and I knew that there were some bootlegs of it, but I just wasn't that familiar. But I remembered being blown away by the depth of the material that had, that had not been released. And that really made me think, my God, what else is out there? You know, cause I, I just, I just wasn't familiar with an artist that would have that much great material you know off the side off to the side that just was something completely unfamiliar to me and getting introduced to that so early in my fandom was really amazing to know man i'm already in love with all the records and this is the stuff that he leaves behind oh oh my god yeah i i remember even though i hadn't i i'm fairly sure i hadn't worked my way through i i for sure had not worked my way through the whole catalog at that point but just just hearing like these are i i remember like just these are things that were left off. And then you get to like last thoughts on Woody Guthrie and you're just mm-hmm. like, your jaw just drops, right? Cause mm-hmm. you, that somebody can put out something like that. Um, it, it, it uh, yeah, it, it was definitely uh, close the deal. So to speak, there was mm-hmm. no turning back after that. Oh yeah. Oh, you're all in. You're all completely all in at, at that point. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember I actually, it's funny. You mentioned last thoughts on Woody Guthrie. I actually, I was just so in love with that performance that I actually sat and transcribed it with a pen because this is 91, you know, there's no internet, there's no nothing. And I was, I so wanted to know all the words I sat and just transcribed it. Uh, so I could learn the words just sat there and just, you know, played. And this was on, this was, I That's had it amazing. on cassette and I would, you know, and it would like, you know, play a line 
and then stop it, write it down, and go get next line. And if I didn't, oh wait, what did he just say? Go back, boom, you know that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, incredibly tedious. But I that that's what the kind of nut that I was at that point. So I mean, um, I remember buying the lyrics book. You remember mm-hmm, that? I, mm-hmm. I I can't remember what when that came out. Um, late eighties. It's it goes yeah, up it to about eighty seven. Right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was saying like eighty eight or eighty. So I mean, I I bought it. I, I I didn't buy when it came out. I bought it as I you know probably in like ninety one or ninety two. But like you know, and at that point, like I mean, going back to people like almost celebrating his career at that point, and you know, putting out like a complete lyrics book right in nineteen eighty eight. You know, I think I think for myself, like. You know, there's almost like two Dylan careers, right? Like there's the, the stuff before, you know, I feel like I kind of discovered him just, you know, I mean, obviously I didn't discover him, but you know what I mean? Like when yeah. I personally discovered him that, that it was like just about to launch like this whole second half, which yep. <laughs> has really been as impressive as like his first half of his career. And, uh, and I kind of got to go through that, even though obviously we missed the first, <laughs> the sixties and the seventies and, and, and eighties, but, but, uh, we can we got to catch, you know, from, from those folk albums and then time out of mind uh, up until now. And some now I often put on just playlists just of like the albums from time out of mind onwards. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, as we know from the marketing material from Shadow Kingdom. Uh, the, the material off of Oh Mercy is considered the early songs of Bob Dylan. Right. So. <laughs> it's, like, it's just sort of this, uh, this timeless, uh, river that just keeps flowing forever. So, well, you mentioned the eighties. So of course we're here to talk about a song from the eighties, Silvio. I learned so much about this song from having to do reference for this episode, Noam. So I thank you for that. I never knew. I always assumed that this song was it's on greatest hits volume three right which you just yeah. mentioned a minute ago and i always assumed that it was one of those songs that was like all right it wasn't a real hit but bob likes it and he certainly he certainly played it live a lot and we'll talk about that but i was just like oh it's one of those personal favorites of his and that's why it got it on got on greatest hits no it was actually released as a single uh, which, and you go look the song up on Wikipedia and the, the sleeve is unbelievably eighties. It's just the most non Bob Dylan ish sleeve design you're ever going to say. But this thing was released as a single and it actually peaked at number five in July of 1988, that. which makes it like one of his biggest charting hits of his entire I, career. I, I had no I, idea. I think it's like a top five hit of his right yeah I, I, I tried to look it up and i couldn't get exact numbers but because i saw that as well and i know like i can't remember exactly now like rolling stone definitely peaked higher and that was number two not got, that, that got to number two that's the highest he's yeah. ever gone is number that's two. the highest he ever got and, yeah and I, I forget some of the other ones but like uh they're not too many that are n- number five and i do have to say actually this was one of the last albums i probably got to because I hated the album cover so much. <laughs> I, I think it's like the worst Dylan album cover out, of, out there. <laughs> Worse than Knocked Out Loaded? Really? Well, Knocked Out Loaded has like a weird, like artsy, like, I don't know what it is, but like, it's, it's something. This is like, it's a bad picture of Bob. I thought it was a live album, I think, for years until I got it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then obviously not knowing any of the songs on the back when, when I was, you know, still 
getting it. But I do remember it's like when I finally did get around to it and, and, and got it, th- this was a song that jumped out at me. Put it on like mixes that I would make back, like tape mixes when I was making, you know, Dylan tape mixes back in the day. But, but th- this was like a consistent of mine. Um, and not just that hard. I, I think it's one of his most played live songs too. Mm-hmm. It's like a top 25, I think. I think I tried to count. Um, and now, BobDillon.com, I know you always say it's not 100% accurate, but <laughs> right. um, I think it was like the like number 25. Yeah, uh, he's played it most- 594 times. I mean, I think if you probably added up all the performances live of every song from Empire Burlesque, Knocked Out Loaded, and the rest of Down in the Groove, you wouldn't get to 594. So yeah, this this is something he clearly really enjoys playing live and you can see why because it's it's very poppy it's a really upbeat up-tempo poppy song it's it's, you know it does stand out in his catalog it's so radio friendly again no wonder it peaked it it did number five because it's probably not it's not a song that sounds like anything else i think most people are familiar with him especially during this period of his career yeah it, it is it's just a really fun song um great energy um, and I, I've heard it live a couple of times, but if you hear some of the live performances, like it, it's, it's a great live song. Uh, they, they kind of gem out to it. And often, like, I think in the never ending tour, it was kind of like a staple there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the lyrics, you know, he, it comes across and, and we're, we'll get into it, but, but, uh, you know, in this very, like, as you say, peppy with, with the backup singers and, and uh <laughs> but, but there's some really interesting lyrics that really kind of pop out at me and and, and it, it really is like a song of optimism of of kind of like you know where the future you know what you can still accomplish in the future and and uh so it always resonated with me uh which which is why i kind of was one of the reasons i suggested it <laughs> Well, something else that I was surprised to learn, I knew that he co-wrote this with Robert Hunter, the Grateful Dead lyricist. But what I did not know, again, I learned this from doing research on it for this show, is that these lyrics are almost entirely Robert Hunter. Uh, that, are and, they? Yeah. Okay. That's and interesting. The, yeah, so the, I saw the, two different like versions. Did you read like in Clinton Halen as well? Uh, where I forget where I, well, I, I found it, I found it in other sources. I, uh, there's a quote, um, that I have from Mickey Hart from the Grateful Dead, which I'll read in a minute, but the, the tune is Bob, but the lyrics are mostly Robert Hunter, which again, I did not know. I always assumed that when he collaborates with Robert Hunter, it's the two of them sitting down somewhere, you know, trading lyrics. And apparently that is, that is not the case. And this came from the obituary of, of Robert Hunter when he passed away a couple of years ago. And it's this is from Mickey Hart. And he says, one time around 86, Dylan and I are sitting on the couch in our studio at Front Street, rehearsing one of the Dylan and the Dead tours. In front of us is a table where all these Hunter lyrics, the dead were trying to put to music. All of a sudden, Bob takes one of these sheets of paper, folds it up and puts it in his back pocket. I didn't say anything. What am I going to say to the guy? Put it back? It's fucking Bob Dylan. I called Hunter and said, we were sitting there and Bob picked up one of your songs and put it in his pocket. I just wanted to let you know in case you hear some of the, some of your songs on his record. And Hunter said, no problem. It's Bob. He can pick whatever he wants. That song was Silvio. <laughs> I, I saw that. That's, that's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a little unclear, like how, how much, like, did you, you, so you saw that it was pretty much all written by, by Rob Hunter? 
Robert from Hunter. what I have read that it, again, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure Bob tweaked the language here and there. He's Bob Dylan for Pete's sakes. But from what I understand the 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 bulk of this song is, is the lyrics by Robert Hunter. And then the tune is Bob, which again is shocking to just the, the arrange that's such a, to me, it feels like such a non Bob Dylan arrangement. There's a great quote from Don was where he talks about working with Bob for under the red sky and he said that he came up, he, Don was, came up with an arrangement for Born in Time. And he presented it to Bob and Bob kind of squinted his eyes a little and was like, mm, I don't you know, because he felt that it, in Don was perspective, it was a little, it sounded a little too eager to please in Don was words. And that was against Bob's purposes. Bob didn't like the idea of a song that's trying to sound like it wants you to like it. And to me, that's what Silvio sounds like in a good way, in a good pop song kind of way. But this is, again, like I said, this is a very radio friendly song. And so I'm I'm just genuinely surprised that, that that's mostly the work of Bob is that very, you know, again, the, the, the backup singers and, you know, woo, woo. And it's got the Grateful Dead, yeah. most of the dead. Singing back up, Jerry Garcia and Brett Midlander are singing on it. It's just I, I very think on friendly. the album. It's the Dead is the band on the album. Yeah, right. Yeah, did, did I see that? Yeah, um, yeah. I was a little surprised about that too. Um, also because it seems like such a fitting song for where Dylan was at his career when the song came out. How so? Well, because like when he talks, I mean, we can get into the actual lyrics, but like. Um, you know, it starts with like stake my future on a hell of a past, right? And right. and you know, kind of like somebody who's, you know, he had certainly at that point, kind of the mid '80s, had not put out maybe his best material, and uh, I think a lot of people thought he was washed up at the time, right? And uh, and so this view of like, you know, I know what what I've accomplished in my past, right? And uh, I'm I'm willing to kind of bet on myself that I, I can achieve that again in the future. Um, and that's in a sense what I think kind of an underlying theme of the song is. And then we'll see then that that's to me, that's why it's so funny that if that is the case, that the, that most of the lyrics are from Robert Hunter, then right. you would think <laughs> it would be Bob because yeah, it's, we know that during this period, Bob was, you know, kind of sh- striving for a direction. And in some ways he was really feeling the pinch of that. But this song, as you say, is kind of the more confident version of that of like he says, when, you know, if you don't like he says, honest as the next jade rolling that stone, when I come and knock and don't throw me no bone, I'm a b- old bull weevil looking for a home. If you don't like it, you can leave me alone. I, first of all, again, bull, bull weevil. <laughs> I know that's from an old folk song, but I mean, again, this is an, a guy who can drop ter- words and songs that what other person could get away with saying that's a bull weevil. I mean, good luck saying bull Can weevil. I, ask, it so. what, I, 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 I am embarrassed to say, but I, I always understood that as a different lyric. So when I started looking in, you know, I, I'm sure I had read it previously because I had read through some of his lyrics in the past, but like, I always thought it was, I'm a noble weaver. And <laughs> and I still hear that when I hear him sing it. Um, not that I, that makes it any more, you know, I, I don't even know what that line means, right? I'm an old bull weaver, which I think is like, it was some kind of a, some kind of a, a beetle, right? That, yeah, it's that a bug be- that chews through flour, uh, like right. cotton and things like that. Yeah. Cotton, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
it's it's so it's it's such a strange lyric um, it's an old lead belly song from the 1930s but i don't know that song uh either but but yeah i mean it is it's very much just kind of like okay i may not be delivering the thing that you want to hear right now but that's okay you know i'm gonna go do what i'm gonna do and you know if you want to find me later on that's great you know um it's kind of funny that the, the one part of the song that i I personally have not been able to kind of like come up with a meaning to, to for my own satisfaction is the chorus is the Silvio silver and gold won't buy back the beat of a heart grown cold Silvio. I got to go find out something only dead men know. Like I honestly don't is Silvio a person. Is it a thing? I that's the, 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 the chorus is the part that I just kind of go. I don't know what this is. The rest of it. I can kind of get a grip on, but the, the chorus is always sort of leaves me a little baffled. Yeah, I I actually have that here as like any idea who Silvio is. <laughs> um, I I don't know. Uh, I I think like the 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 general idea of like you know this idea of silver and gold won't buy back the beat. Like meaning, you know, it, 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 money is not going to solve whatever issue you know you're having. Or, or and and I I mean I don't I don't know how you take overall. It's kind of like somebody grappling maybe with like creative issues and, and how to get through you know, maybe a creative rut or, or a rut in life. And, and, you know, money won't, money is not going to solve that issue. That's kind of how I always related to it. And the, the, the dead men comment, you're right. That's very mysterious. Like I, what, what is that referring to? Like, is that the meaning of life? Is that what only dead men know? <laughs> like, is it, I, I never, you know, that's kind of how I always related to it. This thing of like some, some eternal truth that, that, we spend our life trying to discover and, mm. you know, you only kind of discover it at the end. I also, I, I, I don't know why, but I always get, I, it, it takes me back to, uh, you know, to that lyric from she's your lover now uh, about his voice sounding like a, a dead man's last, dead man's pistol, last shot. pistol shot. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because of the use of dead man, but like this idea of like, well, what does that mean? Like I sound like a dead man's last pistol shot. It's like, there's something you know, there's some kind of like hidden secret or something that, that, uh, you know, that's kind of beyond us. Um, right. Only the ghosts of the past are understand. Um, I, I, again, from that whole, from that, from the vert, from the, uh, the chorus, that is the one line I am a little like, okay, maybe he's talking about that. He, I mean, he has said in interviews that he feels like he won't be properly. Uh, his work won't be properly adjudicated till 500 years after he's gone, uh, which is, you know, a little bit of a highfalutin thing to say. Uh, but okay. I think it's probably also accurate, but the idea that maybe that the legend is right now, he can't have that perspective because he's in the middle of it, but only, you know, the, the knowledge that he's maybe striving for is only something he's going to achieve after one is gone. And of course, by then it's not any good. It's not any use to you. At that point. So, you know, I mean, you have to wonder that Bob Dylan in 1988 was thinking, where am I going? I mean, we know that he had just started the never ending tour and decided to kind of recontextualize himself as a, as a live performer. So he's sort of seeing himself in a different way at that, at that point. And maybe that's kind of what he's talking about, but the song moves along at such a wonderfully, you know, chug, chug, chug pace. Yeah. You, you don't mean, get, you don't get caught up in that. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, like, I think, you know, one of the other places my mind goes to is how, um, you know, years later in High Water, he talks about, he has that great line where, where, 
uh, something about like, as great as you are, you'll never be greater than yourself. And mm-hmm. he responds, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. Something to that effect. Like he's somebody who came to, ter- he, at that point, I think that's love and theft, right? He, he's yep. come to terms with, with, with kind of his past and it doesn't weigh on him anymore. Whereas in this song, and again, I guess all of this is a little bit shadowed by the fact that maybe he didn't write it, but, but, uh, the past still weighs on him. Right. And he's still trying to kind of discover, you know, as you put it, like what, what his legacy is and and what, what his future is going to be. So, so he's, he hasn't quite got to that point yet where he's like, you know, I'm not trying to be as great as I was and gets to that point that maybe he can make these great albums again. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, as he goes through and, and, and as, as you get to the end of the song, right. Like when he talks about, um, going to the, the valley, right? Or, or letting the echo decide who yeah. he's going to sing his song, right? Like, and the echo will decide who's right or wrong. Again, it's, 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 you know, I have my song and, and I'm going to sing it and, and uh, we'll, we'll see, like the world will decide at the end of the day. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. I mean, that part specifically, I mean, I feel like quotes Bob himself singing, you know, I'll, I'll know my song well before I start singing. You know, that feels like a, a paraphrase of those lines from A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. I do love the cockiness in this. Again, for, for a guy that was, we know, you know, sort of stumbling about for a direction, this is just a, a wonderful. And again, we keep going back to the fact that, you know, it seems that Robert Hunter wrote these lines and yet they seem very Dylan-esque. Maybe Hunter even wrote it with that in mind. Maybe, you know, Hunter was thinking, oh, maybe I can give this to Bob. This is something Bob would want to do. Obviously, it's something Bob, when he read it, knew we could do something with but the fact that he <laughs> takes it puts it in his pocket but i mean i love the um yeah. i can snap my fingers and require the rain from a clear blue sky and turn it off again i can stroke your body and relieve your pain and charm the whistle off an evening train like that's fantastic that's it's kind of the cocky bob that we heard in false prophet you know that kind of yeah. I, I, you he know, knows exactly what his skills are yeah and his power right yeah I actually, I'll tell you, my mind goes, I, I have to share the story. The second time I saw him was in 93 and he played at this outdoor stadium, um, the old exhibition stadium in Toronto here. And uh, it was the Santana tour. So Santana opened and it was raining. And um, and I remember we're, we're all just standing in the rain and the, it gets through his set and there's the break. And literally as... Bob walks on the stage, like the clouds parted. <laughs> it was a full moon. And I looked it up because I was like, is this just my memory or did I make it up? And it, But it was, it was a full moon that came out. It stopped raining, like the clouds totally parted. And he went on and played his set. And and I always think of that when I hear these lyrics. So like I can stab my fingers and, you know, kind of turn, <laughs> you know, turn off the rain if, if I need to. Um, you know, that that uh, it always kind of brings me back to that to that concert. <laughs> I'm in command of the elements. Okay, All right, Bob Dylan. Uh, yeah, yeah. That oh, that that sounds uh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> I love that he sings. He says, "I give what I got until I got no more. Take I take what I can get until I can even the score. You know I love you. And furthermore, when it's time to go, you've got an open door. I can tell you fancy. I can tell you plain. You give something up for everything you've gained. Since every pleasure's got an edge of your pain, edge of pain. Pay for your ticket and don't complain. Which you know, the, that's, it sounds like a, you know, a guide for life 
Uh, the yeah. thing you'd stencil on a pillow since every pleasure's got an edge of pain. Pay for your ticket and don't complain. That idea. Of- I love that line at the end of that whole, right? That whole thing. Just pay for your ticket and don't complain. Yeah. Which again, if you want to take, it, was very, it could be very literal. You know, he's like, Hey, look, you've come here to see Bob Dylan. Pay for your ticket and don't, you know, I'm going to give you the, what I think I'm going to is the right thing to give you. And I don't want to hear about the complaints, you know, like it's just take it. This is I'm here. You're here. Let's do this. Uh, and then one of these days and it won't be long, going to go down to the Valley and sing my song, going to sing it loud, sing it strong. Let the echo decide if I was right or wrong. It's a summing up. It feels like a summing up of, you know, in the moment of like, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a dry period, but I'm going to come out of it because I always do. And of course he did. Because the very next year, he's got Oh Mercy and the Wilbury, or not even the next year, later this year, he's got the Wilburys, and then next year, he's got Oh Mercy. And so, you know, it's like, it's it's a, having that confidence of knowing, I, I'm having this, if we want to define it as such a problem, and then I'm not writing songs the way I want to, but I, I'll come out of it, because I always do. And there's there's something very reassuring about that. And you can transpose that to your life of, of anything where you have an issue. And sometimes I've dealt with that sometimes where I have a problem. I'm having a problem with some of my own personal life or just something. And I I want to solve it right then and there, but I can't. And I just let it percolate. I just say, all right, I'm just going to let it. And maybe it'll unwind itself in my brain. And it almost always does. Yeah. And and I think it's also a message of like that growth in life, you know, requires discomfort and, you know, that, 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 uh, you know, to move forward and, and to grow as a person, you know, when, you know, whether it's as an artist or whether just as an individual, like, uh, you know, requires, it requires discomfort. It requires pushing of oneself. I, I think it's something we can all, you know, we can all kind of relate to. Yeah, nothing. Nothing's ever going to be easy. Nothing really worth doing is ever super easy. Uh, and again, it's the, for 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 that message. This does go down easy. It, it is. It if he had, I mean, you know, he's never going to repeat what he does. But I mean, good lord, if down in the groove, and I've grown to appreciate down in the groove more over the oh, years. Because yeah. and as Jason MD and I talked about, there's a lot of great stuff on that record. But I mean, if he had, if he had a couple more Silvio's in him at the time you know he could have had a couple of hit singles off this record this could have been a little more of a successful outing for him as an album uh than it was but again i'm as i mentioned at the top of the show i'm shocked this is this was a number five hit there wasn't any number five hits off of oh mercy nobody would trade oh mercy for down in the group but still from from probably columbia records point of view it's like geez he's got a hit single off of this yeah when was the last time that happened yeah. I mean, it's funny because when you talk about greatest hits, like it was on his greatest hits. Yep. I mean, the, the ironic thing I think of, I mean, I know all those compilations were called greatest hits, but he—he's he, an artist who hasn't had a ton of what you would call commercial hits, like no. in terms of chart toppers, right? Yeah. Um, and and when you look, I, I don't remember exactly everything that was on greatest hits three, but but I'm pretty sure it it, it starts with uh, like blood on the tracks, right? Because None of those were on the the first two, right? Right. So it's like blood on the tracks, to, songs, desire, and and um... yeah, it opens with tangled up in blue, which why well, I mean that right. was a genuine hit, but I mean you know it's got ring them bells on there. That was that was not it was not a hit song. Brownsville girl, as much as that's a masterpiece, 
that, that was not a hit either. So then, again, that's like I said, that's why I always assumed Silvio was like that. I was oh, Bob just likes it. We again, he knows he obviously enjoys performing in live. I've seen him perform it live. Uh, we mentioned 594 times from 1988 through 2004. So it's, it's a song that he really enjoyed. And as you mentioned, it's one of like the top 20 most performed songs in his, his catalog. Uh, but, uh, and, and any, you know, the versions that I've heard live, they always kind of sound like this. He hasn't yeah. really changed it. Uh, you've got mostly got his backup singers doing the, you know, doing the backup, you know, doing this similar song to, as you hear it on the record. So it's a song that obviously I think it's, you know, it's a good up tempo number. It's a good rave up and it gets everybody going and it's a great, it's a great concert piece. Yeah, exactly. And they jam out to it. Um, it really is. It's a great little song and it just, yeah, it's, it's just a feel good song. You can't, you can't help not feeling good listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Noam, thank you so much for for coming on and talking about this. I learned so much about Silvio <laughs> more than I ever thought I would. Uh, so I really appreciate you you stopping by and talking with me. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, and really appreciate the uh, the podcast. It's just been fun, kind of hearing you work your way through through the catalog. <laughs> as, as we're going um so of course uh i have to ask you over uh, the uh, standard exit question since you're new to the show uh the that question is uh, if there's any recording session that you could sit in on of bob's any one at all what would it be so yeah i guess i was expecting it so um i i i would say that my initial reaction when i've heard you start this question was would probably be the basement tapes but, but uh, just because of the fun that it would seem to be with, with Bob and the relaxed atmosphere with him and the band and, and, and those guys. But, but, um, I just thinking a little longer on it, I, I really would say blonde on blonde for me. It's just, it's my favorite album. Um, to, to, I know Robbie Robertson was there, Al Cooper, and just to kind of hear how he made that journey from New York and then to Nashville to put that album together, that sound that he was like looking for. And uh, to be able to witness visions of Johanna, Saturday mm. Lady of the Lowlands, uh, that would be, uh, I couldn't pass up that. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> yeah. answer. Absolutely. I mean, and for me also stuck inside wow. of mobile is one of my, my favorite songs. Uh, so, so just all of that. I mean, visions of Johanna to me is also uh one of my top Dylan favorite songs. So it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it's obviously one of his masterpieces and, uh, it'd be, it'd be fun to see how that came together. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, Noam, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on, on, uh, Twitter slash X, whatever at, uh, at Noam J. Samson and uh, also on threads, uh, with the same handle and, uh, uh, Instagram as well. I'm trying to find an alternative to Twitter these days, but hmm. seems to be most of the Dylan stuff is still still on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, again, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate it, and thank you all for listening. You can find the show on Twitter and Blue Sky at uh, as just Pod Dylan. And if you want to support the show and hear full extended episodes every week plus our bonus shows, please subscribe to Pod Dylan on Apple Podcasts or on fmpods.com. So that's going to do it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later.